0: Welcome to New England Take, your weekly hangout with experts, policymakers, local business owners, and interesting people in New England. Check out the NewEnglandTake.com to listen to the podcast version of the show. Be sure to follow and share New England Take on Twitter and Facebook. This sponsored segment is presented by the New Hampshire Insurance Department. New Hampshire Insurance Department is committed to protecting the public good by ensuring a safe and competitive insurance marketplace. So when things go wrong, the New Hampshire Insurance Department is here to help. If you feel like you've been treated unfairly or have had a problem using your insurance, contact the Consumer Services Division. For assistance with your questions or complaints, you can contact them at consumer at That's at consumerservices at or call 1-800-852-3416. This is a free service offered to all New Hampshire residents. So I'd like to welcome Brendan Harris, Chief Fraud Examiner for the New Hampshire Insurance Department. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: So at a high level, what does the Fraud Department do at the New Hampshire Insurance Department?
1: Well, essentially, we there is a statute in the state of New Hampshire that says that if an insurance carrier or any insurance professional that's regulated by us And they suspect that some sort of fraud may happen anywhere within an insurance claim or an insurance policy Uh, that rsa requires that within 60 days they make a referral to the insurance fraud unit and then we examine each of those referrals to look for the best ones that
0: we can try to build a criminal case on so what kind of staff do you have that looks into these sorts of things
1: well we have three investigators including myself and then we have a fraud research assistant who would Put all the files together, send off the correspondence, um, you know, request uh, claims files from the different insurance carriers, and then coordinate
0: everybody's schedules. Is it like a law enforcement uh, sort of roles for your three investigators?
1: It's it's very similar to police work. I'm a retired police officer, and there is like zero difference between this job and police work, except we're not sworn police officers. But it's it's kind of a, an unusual job.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's super interesting. I mean, where do you get the cases that you guys look into? Uh,
1: Again, going back to most of the insurance carriers, when they're investigating an insurance claim, uh, they're speaking with their policyholders or or claimants. And for some reason, something doesn't sound right. It doesn't add up right. And so they hire one of their uh, SIU, the special investigating units within the company to look a little deeper into it. And if at the end of the day, after they've done their investigation, they think there is something suspicious about the claim, that's how we get about 95% of our referrals are from those carriers.
0: Now what happens with those after you've investigated these referrals? I mean, what's the next step after you found one way or another?
1: Yep. So when a referral initially comes in, it's, it's a very short one or two paragraphs kind of explaining why they think it's a suspicious claim. Uh, I read that and then I'll reach out to the person who made the referral. We'll have a conversation by telephone to discuss it in a little bit more depth. And if I still like the case, I think it's a a case that we can probably build on. Uh, We then, Karen, who's the fraud research assistant, will send them a letter saying to send a complete copy of the claims file, all audios, photographs, estimates, case file notes, everything you have. And then I sit back and I just go through that entire file. And after doing this for 32 years between police work and this, I'm a pretty good judge of whether or not I'm going to be able to make a criminal case or not. And then if I decide we like it, then I assign it to either myself or one of the other investigators.
0: Now, where does that criminal case go? Does it go to a county prosecutor or something like that?
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, if um, we're successful, we build a case that we feel really comfortable with. We then send it to the county attorney's office in whatever venue we believe the crime occurred in or usually the United States attorney's office if it's a rather large dollar case.
0: Yeah. And what is what sort of process is that investigating? You talked about it's a lot of paperwork, but I mean, are you issuing warrants and subpoenas and things like that or working towards getting those?
1: Yes. When we we first get a case, um, we'll look at it and we first thing we do is put together a to do list. Once I know everything that the carrier knows, um, I then look at it with the police hat on and go, okay, well, how would we solve this case if we want to make it into a criminal investigation? Uh, we're very fortunate. There's a statute in New Hampshire that allows me and my staff to write our own subpoenas, sign our own subpoenas and serve our own subpoenas. So literally within minutes, if I want your bank account records, I can fill out a subpoena, sign it, serve it. And within 10 days, the bank is sending me your bank records. I can get basically any other kind of records, payroll records um, anything like that. So that's the first thing. The cell phone records are usually very, very helpful. Um, Then there's also that evidence that you just can't get with a subpoena. Um, And sometimes it's because it's evidence in the person's house. They're a suspect in the case and they're not just gonna let us come into their house and search their house looking around. So we'll have to do a search warrant. And so the way that works in New Hampshire is we draft an affidavit. We explain everything, all the probable cause that we have to establish that the evidence that we're seeking is now in that person's building or that business or their home. And um, we work with the local police. They will then go take our affidavit, go to see a judge and secure a search warrant. And once that's secured, uh, my team will get together with that police department. We'll go in, we'll execute the search warrant. We'll see, uh, my unit will actually seize all the evidence. We have our own evidence room. And if we're taking things like computer equipment, we take it up to the state lab and they will do all the forensic analysis on, on computers and cell phones and stuff like that.
0: Wow, that's that's interesting. Go back to saying it's
1: just like police work it, yeah. it's every bit like police work except you don't carry a gun
0: now how does that vary from compared to how does that compare to other states especially in new england
1: well there's actually there is no fraud unit in the states of maine vermont rhode island connecticut um so we're very we're kind of a rare unit massachusetts does have an insurance fraud unit uh, but it's not a government agency it's actually a private organization where funds from insurance premiums are put into an account. And there's about 50 people at the mass IFB who also do just criminal investigations. Uh, so they, work, they do similar stuff like us. And then they work with usually their state attorney general's office to get the cases prosecuted.
0: Now, this seems very much more question for uh, Commissioner Nicolopoulos, who I talked to last week on the show, but uh, how, does, how did New Hampshire end up with a fraud department like this?
1: It was long before I started. I've only been here 13 years, um, but there was a commissioner long before I got here that uh, had a, a real interest in trying to combat fraud. It was you know, a, a pet project of his, if you will. And um, he created a statute. It went through the legislature and they approved it and it actually created us in statute that uh, requires now that the insurance department have an insurance fraud
0: unit. Interesting. So what sorts of cases specifically do you investigate? Because obviously we've covered over this, this uh, series with the New Hampshire Insurance Department that if it has insurance in the title, basically you guys do something revolving around it, which is totally surprising to me. I mean, whether it's life insurance to renter's insurance, et cetera. I mean, what sorts of cases does your workload look like?
1: Well, the um, up here in the state of New Hampshire, of course, everybody knows you don't have to have car insurance. Uh, that is until after you've crashed your car, then you immediately call an insurance carrier and buy a policy, and then you file a claim a couple days later and lie about when you crash to get coverage. That's our bread and butter. That's what keeps our stats up where they need to be. Um, those cases are practically a dime a dozen. But we also do get a lot of uh, you know very interesting cases, like if you have a homeowner's policy and you have a very expensive piece of jewelry and it gets lost, they call that a mysterious disappearance of jewelry. Um, that's actually a covered claim uh, unless you actually didn't lose the jewelry. and it's still in your jewelry box or you've sold it or you've taken it to a pawn shop, uh, which is oftentimes what we end up finding out is um, that the person, for whatever reasons, there's, there's tons of war stories I could tell you about, uh, but the person just didn't want the ring anymore. They took it to a consignment shop. They sold it at the consignment shop, and then they filed a claim saying that it was, you know, lost, I got flushed down the toilet or I lost it on the beach or something like that, when nothing could be further from the truth. Um, so we, we'll do cases like that. Um, we'll get some food poisoning cases. The United States Attorney's Office just handled a case with a young lady pled guilty to it where she filed 14 false claims for um, food poisoning from different candy bars she bought that were mislabeled, uh, restaurants that had like a salmonella outbreak. Um, it was publicized in a newspaper. If there was a Uh, an article if there was some kind of food or restaurant that had a food poisoning thing she was there she'll she'll send you anything you want she was there and uh, she got sick and she went to the hospital she'll even send her own medical records in and she'll send her ambulance records in and of course they're all fake but unless you dig into it you never know and she ended up trying to make about four hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars in a matter of a couple of years not only just using her identity but then she branched out and started using the identity of her children. So now her children are all in the system as filing false claims as well.
0: And that's fascinating. It's very much a down in the weeds investigation like you would think a, a detective would do in a traditional police department.
1: Yeah, we, we, every time she would submit some medical records, like in a couple of cases, they're about 140 pages thick. Uh, she was very meticulous. She would go through every medical record. She would, they, have, they call it an MRN number, medical record number. And she would go in there and she would make sure those were all changed. And she would change the name of the patient name to be one of her children or herself. But in 140 pages, there was one little tiny space on a graph that had the real medical record number that she missed. And it was that kind of scrutiny that I was doing when I went through the file and I found it. So I went over to Elliott hospital and they told me who the real patient was. It turns out that the patient had been in an accident, hired an attorney. And guess what? Our target is dating that attorney? She worked there in the attorney's office and was stealing oh, no. <laughs> from the from the lawyer's office, and then um, adjusting them to fit whatever false claims she needed to make.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I mean, what about healthcare fraud? I mean, health health insurance obviously is one of the the bigger aspects of what the insurance department does. Can you speak a little bit to that? There, aside from what? food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, when, uh, when it comes to, again, we're only doing criminal investigations, so sometimes we'll get a referral from an insurance carrier where they, they identify a particular doctor, uh, we can use a, like a chiropractor for an example case, um, where they recognize that every time one of their policyholders or claimants was going to this particular chiropractor, all the medical records were cookie cutter. In fact, they were so cookie cutter that sometimes they, they didn't even have the correct patient's name in them because somebody didn't take the time to properly cut and paste the record. Um, so when that was recognized, um, to get the best evidence, we could go out and try to interview a bunch of claimants or a bunch of insureds and ask them what happened on this day and what happened on that day? And what service did you have on that Tuesday, May 12th to 19, whatever, they're not going to remember that. So in order to get the best evidence, I actually have a fake driver's license from the state of New Hampshire There's only like four people on the planet that actually know what that fake ID is. And uh, I work with an insurance company, whoever is willing to work with me. We set up a pretext policy. We create a fake police report, a fake accident report. And then I actually go in and seek services from the provider under my fake name. And I'll get adjustments, acupuncture, um, x-rays, full body massages, which are great. I'm happy to take those cases all day long. Um, But at the end of the day, we end up using up maybe, you know, three or $4,000 worth of med pay. And then we stop and then we watch to see what the medical provider actually bills. And then since I'm in there and I'm the guy that actually got the services and I actually tape record all all our encounters. So there's a statute that allows me in New Hampshire with the permission of the attorney general's offices to secretly record conversations when people don't know they're being recorded. And when I go in as a, one of my fake identities I actually have a hidden tape recorder and the entire encounter is recorded. So everything is properly documented and there's just no wiggle room. So those are great cases. We don't do them too often. It's usually when a, a doctor's really agreed just that I'll put myself in that position to get beat up a little bit
0: that's fascinating so we're definitely going to have you on again in the future talk about more cases so we're we're not done with talking with brendan harris here from the new hampshire insurance department but uh, well we got a couple more minutes left i mean do, does do you guys investigate the other way around or maybe it's looking at the insurance provider
1: there have been times um where an insurance carrier will file a, a fraud referral to us and they'll say we believe you know use a name like fake name bob jones we believe he committed insurance fraud, so they make the proper referral. And then as I dig into it, I find that actually Bob Jones didn't do anything wrong and the carrier did everything wrong. Um, And so it happens probably only a couple of times a year, but I can think of a case over in Portsmouth right now where the the, uh, policyholders were actually victims. They were truly victims and they lost about $80,000 worth of property and the carrier denied their claim and made the referral to me only for me to later to go out and find out they in fact were victims. I found who the suspect was that stole the stuff. In fact, I found the stuff that was stolen and we did a search warrant on that suspect's house and found some of the evidence. So they were truly victims, they should have been paid. And it wasn't until we got into it and started looking at it that the insurance carrier finally flip-flopped on their decision and decided to pay the claim. So sometimes it works both ways.
0: Yeah, and that's once again the insurance department is great for protecting consumers, insurance providers themselves, as well as uh, medical providers. So it, it's this really fascinating work that you guys are doing over there. Can I have you back on again in the future to talk about more cases?
1: Absolutely, I, I love bragging about the fraud unit. I'll be here. I'll be here every day.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Brendan Harris, Chief Fraud Examiner for the New Hampshire Insurance Department. Once again, this segment's been presented by the New Hampshire Insurance Department, and you can reach out to the Consumer Services Division at at ins.nh.gov or calling 1-800-852-3416. Free service offered to all New Hampshire residents. You're listening to New England Take and WKXL.